Hi, my name is Yasmin Tarehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness and spirituality. Today's episode is about the magic of art and how to bring softness into your life with guest Betty Kay, known as BK. Betty Kay is a New York fine art street artist who came to be from the hills of Napa Valley, California. She's referred to as street art royalty in the spiritual circles that tend to mark her path. She's many things all in one. She focuses on magical realism and fierce freedom. Each of her series is guided by the story of the future pouring through her paintbrush. And her pieces sell swiftly, and she really adores connecting deeply to the souls of who she creates for. So Betty Kay, thank you so much for joining us today. Yay. Hello. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Betty Kay, can you tell us what does it mean to live a life filled with magic? You know, it's, it's interesting. It's always, it's something that's always changing. Um, but last night I was reading this book about, about trees and how in each tree, there's a spirit that lives in each different kind of tree. And so I think of magic as if it's the, the spirit that lives on the earth, as if it's a current that moves in between us that we can tap into when we need to. Mm, beautiful. And what does creativity mean to you? Maybe we could take that a step further and we'll get into the work that you do because I think it's incredibly fascinating. Uh, but yeah, how do you how do you approach and see creativity in your life? I think that creativity is each of our our birthright and each of us have a different connection to it, a different way of uh, attaching or understanding our, you know, divine paintbrush that is our humanness. Um, creativity to me was always visual. I've always just been a more of a seer, and I want to. I wanted to capture different um, things that I saw and put them down. It's almost like I would, I would see something and I would create it, and then when it was done, I would feel better and softer. It would soften me until the next thing came that I needed to put down and place into existence. So I think creativity is, yeah, it's our birthright. And can you tell us a little bit about, you kind of broke it down into these processes of seeing, um, painting, and then kind of putting it all together. What is kind of the most important piece of the process for you? Or is there a a more important piece of the creative process for you? Um, I think the most important thing is allowing, is allowing what is to come to come in. Um, Receiving and allowing, I think, is the most important part of the creative process. And why do you think so many people are not able to receive and allow? I mean, because I think that, and that's just kind of my observation, but I'm curious if that has been your observation as well um, in culture. Well, I mean, I've been practicing a lot lately and, and observing that as well. I lived in New York for for nine years and being so close to so many people and observing so much. Um, when I first got there, uh, being a Northern California, and I'd walk around and say hi to people. <laughs> and they would look <laughs> at me like I was insane, you know, Um but then I realized that everyone is just in their own 
story, right? We have all of these stories. Like once you're, once you're born, you're born with this joy and this curiosity and delight and flowers and earth and, and all and everything. But we have these, um, stories or decorum that are kind of placed in us and they build up and build up around us and build up around us until we, and until we have, you know, we're living these realities that are actually not ours. They're just something that has been put on us. So, I feel like, you know, creativity or getting into the the truth of the truth of what is your soul's calling, what is the what is the longing, what is the what is the answer to your soul's question? Um, I think that's what help like helps you open it. I feel like so many people are asleep because it's just it's just maybe it's maybe they're just asleep until their moment is to to awaken. You know, and you have to you have to have curiosity and and have that quest. And the quest is awakened within each of us when the time is right, I believe. Betty Kay, do you believe that everyone is inherently creative or do you think that some people are more creative than others? I think that every human being on this earth has gifts. I think everyone, I think everyone has the potential to actualize their gifts. And we've all come in with a, a unique soul quest. Um, and the clearer we can get on that, you know, the more we can dance with all of the other souls that are on their divine quests. I find myself <clears throat> so often just spending time with myself and my art and my deep practice. And then with a few people that I feel like are, uh, m- most, most of the time equals or, or teachers to me. Um, so I live in a realm that maybe that magical realism realm where most people I interact with are, are on their quest and on their knowing the only people that I, I find myself working with that find me are people that, uh, request art pieces. And so that's when I'm making art for people, that's when I kind of tap into and feel into what is maybe what's going more, what's happening more on the planet. Um, And if I can help, you know, I call my pieces totems. Um, So if someone has a piece of my art, it connects with all the other people that have pieces of my art. And then it creates this weave and it creates um, an awakening. So I like to work with, you know, I've I've been working with one person at a time and helping them awaken to their own, to themselves and have a mantra, be it words or... um, um, symbols that they can awaken to within themselves. And then from awakening into yourself, then your awakening helps other people awaken. You know, it's like a flame. You light a flame and another flame lights and another flame lights. And it's like this, this beautiful cacophony of, a an awakening and a lightning. Wow. And Betty Kay, you are a very unique artist in the sense that I've never really heard of anyone that creates the way you do. And so I'd love for you to tell our audience about your process and how you create and what what sort of art you have created. Um, it's such an interesting question. People ask me this often, like, well, how do you create? But I feel like I'm not creating. It's creating me and I'm choosing to receive it. Um, when I first started, I, I knew that I had to do what I was doing and there'd be one day that I would, I would work on a painting 
and I'm an abstract artist, so anything is perfect, right? But, but at the end of the day, I would think it was so terrible that I was like, this, I, what am I doing? And I'd go home and I'd be like, I'd be upset with myself and, and be like, I, what are you doing? You shouldn't be an artist. You, what do you, who do you think you are? And then the next day I'd go back to the studio <laughs> and do a couple things. And all of a sudden it'd be the most beautiful piece I'd ever seen in my life. And it made sense. And I knew how I was an artist and um, through this process of just like ups and downs with creation, I got to a place where I realized that you can actually find beauty in all of it. And you can find the beauty in the process too, right? Like you don't have to like go down the whole path of like, this is terrible. Nothing makes sense. You can say, Hey, this is a cool part of the process. I can't wait to see what comes. I can't wait to see what comes, you know? And so And then creating for people has been such a gift too, because I get to work with their essence and find joy within them and inspiration. It's like a, it's a collaborative, um, dance. And that has been such a powerful part of creation as well. And and one one of my favorite things to do is working specifically with individuals to say, call in words or call in a symbol. And some people come to me and say, I love your art. This is the size I want. Do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And then I just let it come through. And then I have other people that say, I love blue and I really want to work with the words, you know, I love you. So, and I'm like, okay, fine. Well, 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 we can work with that, which is not, it doesn't give me as much expansive, but sometimes when people bring me things, they've brought me that so they can teach me mm. while I'm, you know, while I'm working with them. And I used to, I used to reject that and say, no, I need to have control. And then I'm like, you know what? Everything is a dance. We're all in this beautiful ebb and flow of a dance. So sometimes people are just bringing me their words so I can understand them and then reflect them back to them, you know? Mm, Wow. And can you talk a little bit about what these uh, totems are and how you connect kind of the spiritual world with your art? Uh, Well, I think of, um, I think of artists as kind of like the filters of society, You know, it's like the filter that's over your drain and your Mm -hmm. sink and anything that's happening on the bigger hole is coming through our filter. And it's like, okay, what is happening? Okay. How do we put it into something that's visual, something that's musical, something, you know, something that can, um, breathe, some reflect, reflect what is happening in the hole. So, you know, it started, my artistic path started when I'm I mean, it started very young. I've always been drawing and doing, but a big shift for me going from being, you know, a woman where I'm supposed to, you know, you're supposed to get married and have babies and that's your life. (laughs) That is your life's work. (laughs) And I just, I knew that that didn't, you know, it didn't, it didn't speak to my soul. It didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the answer to that question. Or maybe I'd done that in a past life many times. (laughs) So here I was and I moved to New York City and um, I put, I met, I met, um, I met a woman, um, a dear, a dear sister and friend of mine. And we started spray painting the words in pursuit of magic on the streets in New York City to add something that would give hope to add something that would help like raise the collective and, and give inspiration on the streets. You know, we started calling, um, 
positivity vandals, you know, and we, <laughs> we consider them like, like, it's like, a, you know, like planting flowers on the street of New York. Um, so through that process of seeing how that created a weave and how anyone that saw it was connecting with other people that saw it and I could see the energetic weave of it. I said, okay, um, I want to go deeper into this practice and, and connect deeper to souls. And so when I say totem, it's like each person that has a piece or wherever my pieces live, um, it, 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 it's, you know, you see, a, you see the word, you see the totem and it connects to the person and helps open up their soul. It like creates, you know, having words that you're using as a mantra every day in front of you creates a new, you know, a synapse in your brain. Like it will actually create a different structural way of, of being in the world. And if you're, if you're, if my art can help people become more sound within themselves, then that helps other people become, you know, more sound within themselves. So I think of them as totems. They're almost like um, ambassadors of the light, perhaps. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Betty Kate. And I got full body chills when you said the words <laughs> in pursuit of magic and that you spray printed that <laughs> in New York. And I know that's your, that's like really your kind of um, tagline uh, in pursuit of magic. And I think it's such a powerful phrase. I think that all of us are probably in need of this pursuit in our life, especially now. So, wow. Very interesting. And how would you kind of um, nudge people to be their own kind of creators and visionaries? Like how do you help people cultivate their own inner artists? You said that in some cases it's collaborative, but do you have any kind of like tips for people to, to, to kind of tap into that connection, um, to a greater source to be creators? I'm just wondering if you, if there's anything you could share with us, um, for those of us who maybe haven't really had that connection or want to become more uh, creative. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, another blessing of, you know, growing up in Northern California, up in the, up in the hills and nature, and then moving to New York city is that being in New York, I had to, um, where I didn't before ever have to find any kind of practice with myself because I was, you know, barefoot on a horse in nature or, mm. or always in nature. And so nature kind of did that piece for me. But being in New York City in this middle of Manhattan, I had to find my own practices. Um, and things that have deeply helped me are meditation. And I feel like so often people that aren't don't have a practice of meditation um, kind of roll their eyes because <laughs> they've probably heard they've heard it so many times. Everyone's like, meditate, meditate. And you know, there's all these different structured ways, but I found myself with meditation. I would just, you know, I'd set an alarm for 10 minutes when I first started and just set it. And if my mind was everywhere talking and asking and being and like bouncing around in my head, I would just let it, you know, I wouldn't say, Oh, go back to your breath or go back to a mantra. I wouldn't be strict with it. I'd say, okay, 10 minutes. And if I could listen to one breath that day, you know, I'd be like, cool. I did it, did it did it. And just having a practice every single day like that, where I stop and I just feel myself and feel my body. Um, also I got really, I got deeply into yoga. So I have a pretty, pretty clear and regular yoga practice. Um, 
that's been very helpful because I feel like there's all these secrets that are like, you know, hidden when you just like, Oh, reach, reach your arm over your, your head. And, you know, there's like, there is something that was hidden in the muscle of your arm that actually, you know, was answering this quandary that you had or touching your toes and just like feeling like the movement down your spine. I feel like there's ways that we can open up, you know, the portals to creativity. Um, yeah. And yoga and meditation are two of my, two of my deep practices for sure. Mm. Beautiful. Yeah. I, we actually have an episode all about how to meditate because I think that's a, a very common response for people that don't meditate, you know, like how do I actually meditate and what does it mean? And so, yeah, totally. it's, it's, it's like one of the most powerful, I think, tools, um, for the next kind of wave of what it means to be human. You know, it's just such an incredible tool. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. And, um, Betty Kay, can you talk to us about the word softness? I know that you mentioned it earlier and I'd love for you to talk to us about how you bring more softness into your life and also into your art. Soften. You know, it's, it's interesting that, um, I made a piece that said soften and it's been coming up. Um, it's been coming up a lot lately. Um, I actually, um, was commissioned to do four pieces over five years for a woman and a series. We called it, um, what was it? Um, diagram of evolution. And her first piece said, love yourself. So step one, love yourself. Like that's it. Like love every single aspect of yourself and spend enough time with yourself. You know, there's this poem that I loved. It talks about like, have you taken yourself for a walk? Have you truly listened to what your heart wants to say? You know, and once we, once we can truly love ourselves, then that helps us soften to everything in the world. Because once we understand ourselves, you know, like the funny little muttering, bouncing beings that live within each of us, like our soul and, and know what that is, you know, like, what do I like to eat? What do I feel when I hear that song or this song? And why don't I like that song? Or why do I like this thing? Um, what's been coming to me a lot lately, and I'm sure it's been coming to a lot of people with so much, um, stillness and aloneness, um, is that underneath all of those feelings, like the, if anger comes up or grief comes up, if you sit with it and ask it what it is and what it wants to tell you, I've, I've been finding poems. (laughs) I keep finding little bits of Mm -hmm. poems underneath all of these things that are hard. You're like, Oh, I don't want to sit with that. And like, you know, so many people like, Oh, I'm going to drink coffee or drink it, have a drink or, you know, do this or that to avoid it or go be around lots of other people and try to fix other people and don't deal with it. But just to be with yourself and just to look at yourself and say, Oh, that's what happened when I was, you know, 14 or that's what happened when I was five. And it created this structure around me that's created my belief system in this way. And then you go, Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. And then you accept yourself and you have compassion for, you know, your human experience. Um, yeah. And then you can move more softly in the world because if you understand yourself, you can look at other human beings and see all their quirkiness and 
humanness and beingness and you can accept them as well. Mm, yeah. You know? And it's so interesting because I think in our like Western culture, softness is sometimes perceived to be weakness. And I think the way that you define softness now feels like it's a superpower. You know, it's not a, certainly not a weakness, but it, it does feel like in our kind of patriarchal society, um, softness has not really been welcomed. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. There's this one little poem that came to me and, and it goes, um, I love you. It's okay if you don't love me back. Love doesn't always work like that. But if it did, the golden grid would be basked in light and forever end the human plight. Mm. Wow. Oh, who, who wrote that quote? Oh, I, that was me. Oh, <laughs> <That's> a, <laughs> oh wow. Me. <laughs> or it wrote me. It was, one, it was one of the things that I found underneath, you know, underneath that. That's, wow. that's it, right? Because if each of us like gave and received love, just gave and received love. There'd be this beautiful, you know, blinking ocean that, that existed between each of us. So, you know, so often it's in America and, you know, in the American culture too, like I've heard many studies and talks done about the hardest thing for human beings to do is receive. Mm. It's the hardest thing. It's easy. It's, it's harder than giving, wow. you know? And so to be, to be able to receive, and receive well, and just say, thank you, you know, just say like, thank you. Wow. Or you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I made a painting that said, you're welcome. The last painting I made right before I had, um, I delivered it the day before I left New York, the words were, you're welcome. (laughs) Wow. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey, where you learned your philosophy from? I know you mentioned a little bit about growing up in California, but can you talk to us about what it meant to you to become an artist and uh, about your journey? Um, Well, I grew up um, in Napa, in the Napa Valley, um, and I was given a pony at the age of four, and I was given a saddle at the age of 10. So my first six years of life, I was bareback on a, a, a little pony, <laughs> this tiny little pony named Rusty with his short little legs and his good natured, good, good, good nature. And I grew up with all boys. So to have a pony that made me a little bit taller than all the boys <laughs> um, and to be in nature all of the time. And I didn't grow up in, um, I didn't grow up in a, the most idyllic family situation. My parents were divorced when I was very, when I was young. So it was kind of my way of, you know, my way of connecting to what is true, true and good and the natural world. And, you know, the, the being with my, being with my horse. And it's interesting. So often I I work with dyes in water because the energy and water is so receptive to feelings and you can imbue it and then it changes the dye. And something I love is that so often in nature, like with a leaf, you can see how, you know, one, a leaf will fade from green, darker green to, to medium green to softer green. And with dye and water, you can see the transitions, you know, like the, the, the softness of transitioning from one gradient to another. Um, so I think that I learned, 
how to be an artist and what art is from, you know, one of the greatest artists on the planet. And that is, you know, whatever, whomever, whatever we believe, what, what created life, what created this earth, what created us and the leaves and the trees and the earth and the, you know, all of it. So I think that I, I learned from, I learned from having my, you know, my bum pressed against a pony and my eyes looking out at the sky and the trees. Mm. It imbued into me and is part of me and will be until probably the day that I die. Wow, beautiful. Very lucky you got to a chance to experience <laughs> so much nature. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Betty Kay, how has your life changed since the pandemic hit? And how has your art changed? And also, um, obviously we're coming out of the the pandemic, um, right now. And how has that shift, you know, in people's lives, um, taken place from your perspective? Um, well, it was so interesting. I, I actually had put in my two months notice on my lease in, in Manhattan because I knew it was time to leave before the pandemic hit. Um, so I found myself moving across the country, um, during, during the pandemic. So I was, you know, packing up when there was no, not a single person on the street. Everyone thought it was the end of the world. Everyone was in masks. No one was touching or talking or, you know, there was such a deep anxiety. Um, so I packed all my things and I, I sent them across country and I moved to this very small beach town in Northern California that had been kind of whispering to me my whole life. Um, and I flew across the country, like my, the only person on the airplane <clears throat> and kind of like, I felt like it was like an evacuation mission and landed here in this sacred, quiet, magical little town that is notorious for taking the signs down for, so people don't come here and has all these legends of, um, all these native legends of how it's like this very particular healing land, um, so landing here was, it was like a beautiful coming home, but coming from Manhattan, you know, to here was, I had to really remember what softness was. You know, there's, there's a difference between like softening in, in Manhattan, you can find the softest soft, but the softest soft in Manhattan compared to Northern California, you're still you know, coming in with New York, <laughs> New York vibes. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've, you know, I've now been here a year and the way that it's changed my art is I've just started, um, doing animal totem pieces, wow. <laughs> like animals have, have come into my art. It started with, uh, um, the Lakota symbol of the, the Thunderbird, which is an Eagle, which they say is the, um, the, the, the creature, the, the bird that can see above all things. So you can see and understand the whole picture. So you don't get too caught into one thing or another. And it was so inspiring because a father actually um, commissioned his, commissioned the piece for his daughter. And so I got to, I got to, you know, tap into and with the mind of a three-year-old. And that's what kind of opened up this beautiful beginning of, um, the animal totems, wow. which has been, yeah, a joy. Uh-huh. So cool. I'm going to have to ask you a little bit more about this beach town <laughs> since I'm also in Northern California. 
I won't ask you now since it seems like it does not want to be marketed. Oh no, I definitely, if I, I think I'll get, I think I'll get chased out of town if I mention it here. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, of course. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What's your morning ritual? How do you spend your time in the morning and how does that, does that, is that like a important part of your day? Um, yes, it's, it's probably one of the most, if I don't have my own rituals in the morning, I kind of, I kind of feel like I'm a top spinning around. Um, I, at the very minimum, um, well, I start my day each day with, um, pu'er tea, like this ancient tea that I have almost, almost every single day. Um, so I have a, I have tea with myself, quiet, quietly sitting, with tea. Um, I've been blessed with a very special little teapot and, um, some practices around the art of sitting with tea. Um, and then I make sure that I sit for at least 15 minutes every morning. I probably will graduate soon to a little bit longer, but 15 seems reasonable for my very active self. Um, and then most mornings I'll do at this point, I have a couple of days a week where I do um, a full yoga practice, and then I've been doing some Pilates so, or, or walking, um, going on a hike, just some kind of act, activity for my body. So my, you know, my, I guess I have a practice. It's for my, it's for my, my mind to calm and my body to open. And then from there, I find myself often painting in the afternoons um, because I'm most receptive before I kind of start closing down for the evening or stepping into whatever my evening has in store. So yes, it's a very, it's very important to have the rituals to open up the space to allow, allow what comes in to come in for sure. Wow. Pure tea. That's uh, I've heard, I think Tim Ferriss talked a lot about that type of tea. So I will oh, check pu'er it out. Tea, yeah. Pu'er, yeah. Is that how so you pronounce sweet. it? Pu'er. pu'er. <laughs> yeah. I think Tim Ferriss talked about, yeah. Pu'er. <laughs> pu'er. Yeah. Cool. So Betty Kay, why do you think that, um, what you're doing is important right now? You know, I see these different, these different little magical things happening often when I create, when I'm creating with, with people. And I think it's really important for people to remember, right. To remember that, that magic is there and accessible to all of us. And I think it's also important to remember as, you know, as the world opens up, again, that like, there's that quiet wonder that lives within all of us that we were asked to find in this last year. And may we carry that with us, you know, and not go straight back into a way of, you know, a way of being that wasn't, wasn't working. And I think in the beginning of the pandemic, it said to me, I heard the words, um, the world will never be as it once was. Oh, what a gift from above. And then underneath it said, but really from below mother earth. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, thanks. Yeah. Um, so yeah, bringing, bringing the softness and, and remembering, and remembering that magic is, is, uh, is touchable any moment if we allow it to be. If we allow it in and trust it, really trust. I think it comes from a deep level of trust as well. Mm, yeah. yeah. 
when I had to deeply trust when I was making art um, for someone in particular. Could I share that? Of Is course. That... We'd love to hear that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, what well, was, it was one of the times I found myself most surprised, um, at something I had someone reach out and they said that they, they wanted a piece of art created, uh, created to connect to eternal love. Mm. And I got that request and I said, Oh God, no, <laughs> I am not doing that. No, thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Nope. And then of course, you know, I meditate every day and it would come to me and come to me and say, you need to do this. You need to do this. So finally I reached back out and I said, fine, I'll do it. And so I had to, I sat with it for a while and the symbol that kept coming to me over and over and over again was the, um, the Om symbol, Mm. which I had been judging to be perfectly honest. I was like, Oh, well that's, you know, the symbol that yoga teachers get tattooed on their body. (laughs) Like, okay, (laughs) that's what that is. But then I went deeper into it and I said, and it just kept showing up and kept showing up. And I said, oh, oh, I understand now. That is, it's the simple, it's a, it's a sound that connects to a frequency that is in touch with eternal love. And so I said, okay, got it. So I'm going to put this symbol on the piece. So I started and I put seven of these down the center of the piece, um, of, of an art piece. And because I didn't want them to show so much. And then I worked with a dark blue on one side and then a light blue on the other side. And, um, it was balanced. I'd never made a piece like this. It was dark blue on the left, light blue on the right. And with ohm symbols down the middle that you kind of could see, kind of couldn't see. It was beautiful, but it was just different than anything I'd ever done. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I, I know this is right. And so when I delivered the piece to him, I, the first time I ever met him, I showed up, I brought the piece and he showed up and he had these bright blue eyes, kind of the same color as the canvas and the piece. And I was like, okay, got it. And I, and I put it up and he said, okay, can you explain this piece to me? And I said, okay, well, the, you know, the, the left side is the feminine and the right side is the masculine. And here's the eternal connection that is between them all. And it's through the, each chakra. And he sat there in shock and I looked at him and I said, well, what, what are you so shocked about? And he pulled up the sleeve on his left, um, arm all the way up. And he had a female deity on his left arm and then all these symbols for the feminine on his left arm. So he put that up and it matched perfectly. And then he pulled up his right arm and he had masculine, masculine deity and all these masculine pieces on his right side. So they actually matched the painting exactly the feminine and the masculine. And I, you know, I, I had no idea he had tattoos. I had no idea. I just listened and listened deeply. And I put the ohm symbols down the middle to connect to each of the pieces so he could connect to the eternal love that was within him. And we were just blown away by the, the connection and the synchronicity. Um, and then three weeks later, he reached out to me and I said, I want you to know that I've gotten back together with my, my daughter's mother and we're back together and I just want to thank you and that you helped me so much and so deeply through this experience. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm about to tear up and I have full body chills. That's so incredible, Betty Kay. We all, I think everyone who's listening right now wants to see this art piece and all the art pieces (laughs) that you're describing because yeah, it just sounds really prolific. 
Well, it's a dance, right? It's like a dance for the visual, the visual and the spiritual and the creative. And it just all gets to kind of come together into this, you know, cacophony of a moment. Yeah. And then it's nice to have, you know, a moment that you have a, a visual representation of a moment to be reminded. And when you're reminded, you can remember. Mm, wow. So special. Betty Kay, what sort of things have surprised you the most in your journey as an artist? And I, you know, the last story you shared is for me, it could have been the answer to this question, but wondering like, you know, what is uh, something that surprised you the most? You know, I, I think I've been most surprised by the connection of all things and the way that things, the way that things dance with each other. I, I had another, um, I had another commission where a man reached out and asked to, um, make a piece of art for his, his then girlfriend that, you know, is now his wife, but he was, he was asking to commission a piece for her birthday because she had admired my work. And, you know, he called me and he's like, you know, I was thinking about, you know, the word integrity or this or that. And we were <laughs> kind of talking about it. And, you know, we worked with it. And I said, well, why don't we just, I'm going to order the canvas and the size you want. Let's just think about it for a week. And then we had a call a week later and I said, you know, the words that keep just coming to me over and together is, you know, um, uh, you, you are, you are so loved. You are so loved. And he's like, oh my God, that's it. Yes. That's what I want to tell her. You are so loved. (laughs) And I said, okay, that's it. And I made this piece and it, I loved how it turned out and, and he brought it to her and I gave it to her as her gift. And, and later what she, you know, she, she said to me later, she left, sent me a a long email and she said, you know, it was unbelievable. The night before he gave me the piece, you came to me in my dreams. You came to me in a dream and you walked me through and you were showing me all these different, you know, pieces of understanding. And so to have the piece arrive the next day, you know, was just so inspiring and such a remembrance. And so I think that one of the things that's maybe surprised me the most is like, is this, is the dance between all things like this physical object. I love creating a physical object. Um, it's something nice to have like that you can touch, but it's also connected to the dreams, right? And it's a connected to like, you know, the colors that are connected to like maybe the first colors we saw as a child. And so it spans, it can span a lifetime. And I think, I think that's, what's been surprising to me because you think you're like, Oh, make, you just make art. And then all of a sudden, no, it's just like a piece that is in this profound weave that is life. Just a small piece of the weave. Mm. Wow. Betty Kay, you're truly a, a poet and an artist <laughs> and a lot of things all in one. So it's been so <laughs> wonderful to connect with you. What do you want to tell our listeners about their well being in the years ahead? And what's, what's sort of your main takeaway? You know, I, as, as I'm sitting here and speaking with you, I've, I put up a large, uh, piece of my studio floor. It's this big canvas with all of these different words and colors on it. And so what I've been looking at this whole time as we've been speaking is the words, listen to the wind, listen to the wind. Mm. Um, and so I guess if I could impart anything, um, 
It would be listen to the unseen forces that are always whispering around us. And if you don't have an answer to something, take a step away from everything else and go and listen to yourself, you know, and also go to the art store and intuitively just like whatever you think looks fun and inspiring, buy it, bring it home, start creating, start looking at yourself and the reflection of what you create and don't judge it. Just marvel that it happened. Mm, wow. So powerful. That's really incredible. Um, Betty Kay, thank you so much. And thank, thank you, you for your time. And are there any resources that you can point folks to in order to learn more about you, social media, your website? I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be very interested in your artwork after this. Mm, so. Thank you. <laughs> um, my website, it's very simple. It's bettyk.com, B-E-T-T-Y-K-A-Y.com. And Instagram, it's Betty K. Um, it's a private account, but more than, more than likely I'll, I'll accept you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me at this point. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time and for our audience. Thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about the magic of art and how to bring softness into your life with guest Betty Kay. You can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one -on -one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.